Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. tonight mysteries and metaphysics 4.4 uh so we're going to discuss all the miscellaneous megalithic structures and ancient sites that we've kind of discussed a little bit in the past before uh on this podcast again this series is to discuss the mysteries and metaphysics series discuss things that we you know the way we thought about some of these things when we started the podcast versus how we think about them now four years later and the evolutions of our thoughts on them and everything but uh before we get started tonight, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Uh, we are also on Discord. Uh, if you're interested, though, the $2 a month, you'll get access to a whole catalog of, of exclusive stuff. I mean, I just uploaded stuff with Rick Strassman, uh, Matthew Clark, where we discussed Eleusinian Mysteries, uh, Laura, the Megalith Hunter. She has an amazing channel on... Um, uh, YouTube, if you haven't checked it out already, uh, Laird Scranton. Uh, so there's a bunch of stuff up there as well as just stuff from years past. So again, if you're interested, it's just $2 a month. Uh, also head on over to Indra's web. Indra'sweb.org is the social media platform we created to connect open minds. So whether you want to speculate, hypothesize, theorize, it's the perfect place to do it. Go sign up for a profile. And uh, we are still working on trying to get it in the app store. I will let you know when that happens. We are going to give away this beautiful Mind Escape t-shirt at the end of the month. So if you're interested uh, in winning that, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, take a screenshot of it, and then email it to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com, and that will enter you to win. We do have a few submissions, but if you enter, there's a pretty decent chance that you you know might win. So please go do that. And one more thing before we get started, uh, we have a ton of merch designs now up in our T Public merch store. So if you're interested, go to mindescapepodcast.com, click on the merch tab, it will take you there. Uh, I just threw up a new design with uh, Anubis uh, with the, the thing saying, We are living, breathing magic above it. It's actually a pretty cool design. Uh, and I've done all the artwork for those, so go check those out. There's also a hashtag Let Maurice Speak t shirt on there. Yeah, uh, baby. <laughs> And some other cool stuff. So go check that out. Uh, the link is also down below. Um, but uh, what's going on, Maurice? How are you? I'm I'm doing, my friend. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, just so everybody knows, I will be having uh, my wife and I are having our first child here in the next week. So we're just pre-recording a bunch of episodes. This will be the last live episode we do for a while until I figure that out. Um, so. You know, we will have podcasts coming out weekly, but uh, they will not be live for a while. I just wanted to let everybody know that. And uh, yeah, so tonight we do have a slideshow episode prepared. Um, so if people are interested, if you're listening, I'll try and make it as interesting as possible. Uh, but again, we do have a YouTube channel where we do live shows. So if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. And uh, I will also put the link in there if you were listening on an audio platform. So. Uh, let's get started. Let's go, baby. Mysteries and Metaphysics 4.4. Uh, so I thought we would go over some basic stuff. Um, we just recently had Laura Taboni uh, on, and she is the megalith hunter where she lives on Malta. She makes these awesome videos on Malta. And when we had her on, we discussed, uh, you know, Maltese history and the, the evolution of the megalithic structures and sites. Here's a table where you can kind of see the evolution there. Uh, the Neolithic from 5000 to 4100 BC. Uh, Gahar uh, Dalam, that is, uh, I believe it's a cave, um, like a, uh, uh, a man-made cave or uh, an, I guess like a, uh, an augmented cave, if you will, uh, from about 5000 to 4500 BC. Uh, and then, you know, there's some of the more popular uh, style sites that you've seen in pictures and stuff, which is from the Temple period, 4100 to 2500 BC, uh, Emjar, 
3800 to 3600 BC, Gigantia, uh, 3600 to 3000 BC, uh, Safliani, 3300, Targin, uh, 3000, and it just goes on from there. So I just wanted to show that table so people have a general idea. And before Gobekli Tepe, Malta was considered one of the older um, sites in terms of megalithic structures before we found uh, uh, Gobekli Tepe. So, and, and if you're what will be the next we find? <laughs> and if you're interested in Gobekli Tepe, I think Mysteries of Metaphysics 4.1, we did a slideshow on a lot of the T-pillars at Gobekli Tepe. So if you find that interesting, go check that out. Okay, so here we have uh, Emnajra. You can see that kind of... Uh, uh, that lentil there, lots, uh, you know, we were discussing when Laura was on is that decorative or do those little uh, indentations have some sort of meaning? Uh, I do not know. Um, but yeah, I find it interesting nonetheless. Yeah, they're like pits. Yeah. They're, yeah, like some sort of pitting happening, some technique. Um, and we kind of speculated uh, what that could be. Yeah, and if you're interested in the multi the Malta sites, go check out our our two episodes with Laura, the Megalith Hunter. There's part one and part two. So and then you can grab onto her page and really dive in. Yeah, she's got a great take on a lot of the stuff, and she obviously she lives on the island, so uh, she's able to like go hiking and check these sites out. So right in the uh, thick of things. I keep bringing her up because I really think she's onto something, and I, I hope everybody goes and subscribes to her channel. So uh, let's see here. Then you get to Hajar Kim. Uh, there you can see there's some of those little holes that we were discussing before too um, on the front end of it. Uh, she doesn't know what some of those are for. We were discussing like rituals and the purpose of some, and the functionality of some of these things. And there's just not a whole lot of answers. So some of these sites are so old, it's, you know, you'd be speculating at this point. So. The Harjarkim spirals here, same thing. You got a little bit of that pitting design with two spirals. Those spirals actually look similar to the spirals found at like Newgrange, some of the Neolithic and uh, megalithic sites in, in Europe. Uh, Newgrange is in Ireland. Um, kind of interesting. And you see some of those spirals as associated with like ancient cosmology as well um, at some of these sites. Uh, let's see here. Here you have an image of Gigantia uh, or Gigantesia. Uh, you see the they almost look like altars or you see those lintels going across the tops of those and then you have these giant stones in between separating them. I mean, just looking at that, what would you think, Maurice? Uh, what do you mean in regards to what? Like, what do you think that could be? Just like an altar or... Man... I don't, it's tough. I, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I, well, I is want... that true? Is that, is that the only option as an altar? No, I mean, it could be anything, I guess. I'm just curious what you thought it was. Maybe. I don't know. It's uh, Yeah. I, I, I uh, you yeah. see some like cyclopean masonry along the edges there. Um, uh, yeah. So I will move on. How, how tall are those? How tall are those little? That's uh, a good question. I, I would say, I mean, they look like they're in between four to six feet tall, but maybe that's just the perspective. Maybe they are taller. I don't know. I don't know if people would go and stand under there or something. I, I... <laughs> and you laugh at me, man. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm not laughing. Uh, I don't know what else could the thing be. You know, it's 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 very strange. Unless it it could just be a piece of art. Uh, it's, it could be as simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's not a bad. Art, like art. I'm from Detroit. You go down to Hart Plaza. There's a big ring. There's all kinds of stuff actually. But right. People could stare at them and go, "What did they use that for?" Yeah, I mean, it's here like in Chicago, we have that art. massive bean. You know. Right. Somebody... Right. I'm, that's not that's not a bad uh, way to look at it, actually. Um, some sort of evolution from cave art to artistic megalithic sites. Yeah, it just depends on how developed the mind was, and that's obviously one thing that separates us from from animals is the is the the ability to to make art and like laugh and things like that. So yeah, you we we believe it's a higher form of consciousness. 
it's just how developed were these people back then i have yeah. to believe that there was some kind of art influence sure i don't know not bad not bad i'll accept it all right yeah. uh tarjean uh you have this mother goddess bottom it looks like instead of you know some sort of like legs you have actual anthropomorphic style legs to human looking feet uh holding mm-hmm. up a block which is kind of interesting and then some sort of like lines going down there which obviously holds some sort of symbolism maybe like the spot bottom of some sort of um clothing or something like that some artistic style of like like a style like that was the style back then maybe who knows yeah um interesting though and uh keep it moving here and what do the scholars like to say or do they just well i mean go back to the episode we do with laura she she mentions and she says that she has kind of a different take on it as as opposed to like uh, the the normal sacred feminine you know feminine or like the the um you know these venus style goddesses of the ancient world she said it might be different than that there might be something even you know more bizarre happening who knows but like uh, the, like the, the enclosure we're looking at now there's obviously a hole and so that could be used to frame something very special or it could be used as a passage almost as like a superstition type of thing where where you, they say like if you go under a bridge so the stuff ta, like that. hagrat and emjar yeah yeah, that looks like, I mean, that one block on that, that lintel block looks pretty, and if anybody doesn't know what a lintel is, it's like the cross section top way of a doorway. It's like a big stone or some sort of beam that goes across. It's what a lintel is. But uh, yeah, it looks pretty like crude, right? It doesn't look like it's been really worked or anything like that. Absolutely not. Um, but it could be chipped and it could be uh, decayed. Yeah, could be. All that stuff looks a little bit eroded. So yeah, that's I, why I was asking Laura about that too, because you know Malta is somewhat of a smaller island, and you have the sea and winds. And yeah, you know, you're you're in the middle of it, and we know wind erosion can do wind and water erosion and salt erosion. And everything can can do some damage. So, um, here's the hypogeum, a picture of the hypogeum at Hal Safliani. Um, and uh interesting stuff here um i think uh i think she said that that doorway doesn't really go anywhere it's just kind of like there's these different levels and i'll pull up a map i think as the next picture where it shows like the schematics of the hypogeum which goes underground in malta and uh they say that the main chamber in the bottom kind of resonates at a certain frequency there you can see here's the schematics and you can see how it's kind of laid out and uh, how it goes down. There's like different levels. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, who, I would love to go down there and just like meditate, you know? Absolutely. Um, I'll leave that up here for a second. But yeah, I just, uh, again, we're just discussing all these sites. We haven't really... Other than talking about it with uh, Laura, we've only really talked about Malta a few times on the podcast, but I do find it one of the more fascinating uh, places in the world. So moving on, here we get to one of the more well-known ones, which would be Stonehenge, which is roughly dated from 3000 to 2000 BC. Uh, And I gave this overhead view because most people don't even know about some of these outer rings or these outer circles and some of the previous lead-ups to some of these sites they think oh it's just these stones but no there was previous sites at you know in some of these places and stuff so um there you can see the overhead there again when i say roughly dated uh people have different takes on this um i'm not going to get too worked up over the dating on these things because uh again i i've mentioned this in the past like I, we used to get caught up on like oh it's this old or it's that old or this thing's this old or they say it's this old but it's really this old or things like that but lately i've been thinking about it as, as if it doesn't matter how old it is if it you know if it's interesting and there's you know it does matter how old it is i i, I want to say that but does it matter well, it's in like terms kind of a different topic altogether but what ABA. i'm saying is does it does it matter to you like if you're learning about this stuff can the site just be fascinating? Do you have to like, does, does it being older mean that it affects your life today somehow? 
No, the only difference would be if it was created like 50 or 100 years ago or something like that. Well, yeah, or if it was created like thousands and thousands of years before they said it was, which is some of the paradigm shifting things that, you know, like the Gobekli Tepe, Gobekli Tepe's, uh, you know, 5,000 years, 4,000 years older than the Malta site. So, I mean, right. that, that, you know, there's, there's a point where you're right. You're splitting hairs. Right. Or stones, if you will. There's a cool, cool shot. I think you would appreciate Maurice. We got to start oh, yeah. sending you to some of these sites. <laughs> Drop me down and pick me up, baby. Get you a little uh, beret or a little hat. I'm here for the stones. <laughs> a Tamil shanter, you know, one of those Scottish. You know, I'm sure one, somebody in our family, one of our Scottish oh, yeah. gardener family members, will, has one. We can load you up and send you over. Well, I know someone with a kilt, so I'm halfway there, baby. There you go. This is a cool shot. I think you would like this because that's comet neo wise. It's I don't know if it's like a composite sh or like uh, artistic rendering, but uh, yeah, you never know in today's world. It's yeah, because you take cool pictures though, where you, you know, you have that time delay thing going on with the camera where the water looks like it's moving and you know even though it's still kind of a thing. Yeah, that's just slow shutter speed. But that they have things now where you literally click. The, you can pick a sky and click click. And it's the best looking sky ever where I'm sitting out there for hours waiting for the sky to turn. Yeah. But that's a, that's a different approach. I'm a naturalist. I like, yeah. it's maybe it's because I'm lazy and I don't want to mess around with Photoshop too much, but I think there's a level of, uh, of reality to my photos. If you see the photo, yeah, I might bring up the, the pinks a little bit or, you know, the greens, but for the most part, it's kind of what I see with my eye, which I think sure. is a cool trait to have. Otherwise it's just like, is this guy on Mars when he took this picture? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and, and look, I got to give you props. You know, I don't know how how long have you been doing photography? Like three or four years? Yeah, I've been messing around with a camera for probably five ish. But until you, you take something seriously, you really gotta. Yeah, but you've gotten really good. Thing. I mean, I've follow, I've been following some people on Instagram that have been doing it for twenty years. I think some of your stuff's better than that. So, oh, thank you. Uh, keep doing it. And again, we'll send you out on, in the field. And actually, next yeah. summer, you got to get you out here to the botanical gardens because I think you could do some real work there as well. Beautiful zones, especially like some of the waterfalls and that Japanese rock garden stuff. There's just tons of awesome places to take pictures there. So, yep, yep. Again, you have the Stonehenge with the backdrop of the Milky Way there. Um, that would just be imagine like ancient times, just just being out there. No, yeah, light, no pollution, light pollution, yep. no distractions, just laying out there, thinking, pondering. It's perfect. Perfection. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're interested in, uh, well, this would be from Orkney Island in Scotland. Um, we've had Laird Scranton on before who's wrote, written some books on this topic, but this is Scar Bray. Uh, it's roughly dated from 3180 to 2500 BC, uh, and there's some speculation that maybe even the 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 henge builders or the stone circle builders originated in Orkney or they're up north there and kind of worked their way down, and you kind of see a progression and even like Avebury or sites like that. So, and they're beautiful. I mean, that looks pretty. Uh, Imagine playing golf near there. That would be unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Our cousin Rob would love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's part of some of our roots. Some of our uh, family members are from there. So not there specifically, but Scotland. Uh, let's see here. This is just the interior uh, of that uh, shot. And, and Laird, when we've had him on, he goes into like the symbolism of how these structures are formed and how... Uh, it's a little bit more complex than just thinking, oh, there's the hearth or there's this or there's that. Like it all kind of means something symbolically. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, we've probably done five or six episodes with Laird at this point. So he's got an interesting yeah, take a, on it. He's a vast, vast knowledgeable <laughs> man. Maurice is making words up. Yes. And if you want yourself a, le a hashtag Let Maurice Speak t-shirt, head on over <laughs> to our merch store because I'm about to shut his ass down. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right, so here we have Newgrange, uh, which was dated to around 3200 BC. 
uh, as you can see there, it's a pretty big structure. And I know that the sun kind of gets, you know, the sunlight and certain solstices goes through some of the doorways and illuminate certain things. Here, I'll pull up a... Here's some of those spirals. So do, doesn't that look pretty similar to the spirals that I was just pointing up, uh, pulling up on Malta? I mean, a little different, yeah. but yeah. I mean, you have to think that there's something going on there. That means something cosmo, you know, cosmologically. You know, they're 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 understanding the solstices and uh, the uh, the um, the different equinoxes and uh, yeah, I don't know. Just very interesting stuff. As you can see, I think the, so that's where the sun shines in through there and then it illuminates stuff on the walls and stuff like that at certain times of the year. Again, we haven't gone deep on some of these. Like We've gone very deep on Easter Island, very deep on Gobekli Tepe. Uh, we've gone very deep on Ancient Egypt, which 4.5 will be the last megalithic um, part of this series, which will probably won't be for a while, but it'll be on ancient Egypt specifically since we've talked about it so much in the past and all those sites that we've discussed and stuff. And, um, that'll be the last megalithic one. Then we'll move on to some of the other topics that are part of the series, but, uh, we just covered so much content now. I mean, we're already up to episode almost 220, so we've covered a lot of territory so far. Yeah. Okay. Then you get to ancient Sardinia. Uh, the neurogic age and the structures are dated to between uh, 1900 and 73 or 730 BC. Okay. Here, okay, so this is kind of interesting. This is a tunnel found there, and it looks very, very similar to the Cyclopean tunnels at Tyrans, uh, which is... Um, uh, near the Mycenae or part of the Mycenaean culture uh, in ancient Greece. So again, some of these people had to have been in contact with each other or just a, maybe a similar consciousness. But I, I do think that there's actual contact happening uh, between these cultures with just the similarity and some of the building structures and stuff. I don't think it's a coincidence. So again, very similar. You can look up the last episode we just did, 4.3 which we talked about ancient Greek megalithic structures and ancient Greek temples and the evolution of the, the building techniques. And if you look at the part where we talk about Tyrans uh, and the ancient Mycenaean culture, you'll see some similarities there. This is uh, St. Christina uh, in um, Sardinia. It's beautiful. It's got almost kind of looks like a big keyhole kind of a structure. Yeah, that's neat. Goes down. Uh, and again, shout out to Laura. I know she just went to Sardinia and took some pictures and did some stuff there. So that's awesome. And, uh, yeah. Again, here's another, uh, Naragi structure. Looks like a, like a sort of like a fort with like a tower. Um, and you see all these, uh, circles. Um, yeah, kind of interesting. Yeah, the last two ep pictures almost make me feel like I'm playing uh, Zelda or something. <laughs> yeah, that's classic. Those steps going down in the world and the down down deep. Yeah, into the, the dungeons and stuff. Yeah, it's classic. Obviously, that stuff's based on reality. Again, here you can kind of see some more of the foundation work there, and just the uh, structures. And you have to wonder, like, what are all those? What are all the circular structures for? Um, for these, what are they? Turrets or whatever, something. Um, what are they for? You know, like what was the purpose? So, uh, welcome everybody. Join. Welcome uh, Ryan. Thank you for joining. And here you have the ziggurat of Ur. So this goes all the way back to the Sumerian stuff. This is roughly dated from thirty-one eighty to 30 or 2500 BC uh and you can see that's a, that this is okay so you, the ziggurats and like the um the ziggurats are kind of the precursor to what you think about when you think of mastaba or even mastabas in ancient Egypt so mastabas and ziggurats are where most archaeologists would say like the pyramid structures or pyramidal structures come from this is like a progression in 
building is what they would say. Um, so here you have the ziggurat of Ur. This is probably the more recognizable ziggurat there is. And this one, I believe, is in Iraq, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's go to this one. Here's another shot of it. You can see, look at that stairway there. That's beautiful. Yeah, these are real pieces of art. Yeah, I mean, and just think, this was new technology for the time, too. This was... Uh, new technology and a lot of effort. <laughs> For sure, because that doesn't come easy. Yeah, and you're in the desert. It's got to be. It's got to be hard work. Um, here, you kind of see like an ancient depiction of it when it was covered in sand, and they had to uncover it. You know, you see a lot of these ancient depictions too of like the Sphinx or the pyramids of Giza when they were all covered in sand or half covered, or you know, the the Sphinx has been covered so many times and uncovered so many times. It's it's crazy to think about, but. And here you have like an artist rendition of the ziggurat of Ur. This one is the ziggurat at Choho, uh, Choga, I believe, Choga Zanbil. Zanbil. Uh, it's also known as Basket Mound, and it's dated to roughly 1250 BC. So this one looks a little different. It's kind of similar, but this one looks more of like a... Uh, I don't even know how to explain like a fortress with like layers or something. Uh-huh. It just didn't the other one, the the ziggurat at Ur kind of looks more pyramidal. And maybe this one's just deteriorated a bit, but it looks like there's a lot of gap in between the levels. Here's another okay, so the ziggurats were built by the Sumerians, Assyrians, Babylonians, and Elamites. Here's another. You can see kind of where these quarries. I think those those bricks that you're seeing, I think, are like mud brick, mud and clay bricks. I believe I'd have to look that up again. But that makes sense. Yeah. And there you kind of see where they're getting that from. Okay. Here's a diagram of the different ziggurats. Kind of just like a, again, little picture here. You can kind of see the overhead views and the, st the structure layout and everything. And again, sorry if you're listening. I know this is a slideshow uh, episode. We do have one more slideshow uh, episode in the series, which will be uh, 4.5, which we'll talk about ancient Egypt. But then from there, it'll be more just discussion-based. So, Okay, now we get to some of the more controversial stuff. So... You have uh, Gunung Padang in Indonesia, and uh, there's controversial dating on this one. Some have dated it all the way back to 20,000 BC, which is super, super old. And then some people are saying, you know, it's no, it's more modern. It's 100 to 50 AD. Um, and you'll see this with some of the other sites like the Bata Valley sites. Um, the dating's controversial. Nobody really has a good idea of the dating on them. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but this guy named Danny, I think is the one, the controversial archeologist. And I think, I think Graham Hancock's talked about him in some of his stuff too. And, uh, the thing that I find interesting about this site is actually the stones, the volcanic stones there look like they're similar to the giant's causeway in Ireland that have just been like separated and then realigned into megalithic structures or alignments. So I don't know if those were actually worked stone or if those are natural formations that have just been used for megalithic structures. Uh, I don't know if anybody's talked about that, but I find that interesting. Because you do see, you can look up, I don't have a picture of it, but the Giant's Causeway in Ireland, some people think it's like man-made, it's not. But um, I could see like finding a site like that that's volcanic and then chipping some of that off and then using it for these these kinds of structures. Yeah, when man and earth combine forces. So there are, some of them are like hexagonal, you know, that type of formation. Yeah. See, there, there's a better image. You can see what I'm talking about. They're like these pillars, and it's hard to tell. Like, have they been worked, or are those just similar to what I'm talking about? And then they were all then moved or used or quarried or something like that. 
Yeah, plus certain stone will chip off into actual fragments that look fashioned. Yeah. So who knows? That is pretty sweet, though. There's another picture you can see. So, like... Yeah, that looks pretty pretty positioned. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say... Like, again, I don't think that it's not... You know, that part of it's not man-made. I just... I'm curious how it was quarried. I don't think that those were cut in those in those hexagonal shapes like that. I think that may that may, may have been natural and then it was used to put something together. And yeah, so the other argument the other argument is that there this is like the top of like some sort of pyramidal structure too. Like it goes down deep and then there's like tombs or chambers down below this thing, supposedly. So Oh, that's interesting. Again, one of the more controversial sites. There needs to be more excavations and dating and the the guy Danny, the archaeologist that was working on it, a lot of people don't like his takes on it. So What are those little garbage cans on the side? I don't know. It's a good question. Maybe it's just for people visiting there, throw stuff away or something. Yeah. Or it's a disc golf course. <laughs> yeah. That's an <laughs> ultimate disc golf course if that's that's the case. That would be um, incredible. Um, interesting, though. So this is kind of what I was talking about, the uh, Bada Valley megaliths. Uh, again, similar... Uh, not too far in Indonesia, and and some people would say that these these sites are connected to some of the megalithic builders from uh, Vietnam and Cambodia. You know, s- some of the uh, ancient builders there. That's one of the speculations. I don't know what uh, what the more modern take is on it, but uh, the datings and the origins of this specifically are unknown. Some speculate anywhere from 5,000 to 2,000 years old. Okay, now we get to uh, Baalbek, Lebanon. Um, So this is another controversial one. Um, You have mainstream uh, archaeologists saying that all this stuff is built, um, or the Romans built this stuff in roughly around 27 B.C., and uh, there's the Temple of Bacchus, and, um, you know, it's kind of, it's a temple. It looks similar to, like, the Parthenon and other sites, and obviously it's the Parthenon, they have some of these massive blocks at the base of there, so maybe that's the thinking behind it. Um, you know, and then I think it's the the the, uh, it's the Stone of the Pregnant Lady, I think is the name of this one. Um uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the, again, a lot of this stuff, even though, again, it seems like it's set in stone, no pun intended. Yeah. It's really not like, even if you look up like on Wikipedia or you cross reference it to some of the books or archeological sites or whatever, uh, websites, you don't see like definitive answers on stuff. So when they get mad that people are like speculating or whatever, it's like, well, you don't have a clear vision for this either so i don't understand the the pushback well, people got to relax that's the bottom line yeah that's just chill out <laughs> uh yeah the stone of the pregnant woman so there's these massive blocks and the, the argument is it's similar to like maybe the unmoved obelisk in aswan egypt like how were they moving this massive massive stone and what was it going to be used for i think the thought is maybe this was going to be one of three stones used for a trilithon, if I'm not mistaken. So hmm. there you get a side view of it. And again, we're talking about the Roman Empire, so they did have a massive reach and stretch. Uh, but again, these stones do seem like out of place and a lot larger than a lot of the other stones that they used for some of these sites in the area. Heliopolis. Uh, would have been the sites or the site. Here you kind of see the, some of the temple structures here. Uh, you're going to see what looks like, you know, very ancient Greek looking. We just did the, all the ancient Greek sites, and you're going to see kind of like an evolution of that in with the Roman stuff, as you can see here. Uh, so I would say that even if those stones are older, a lot of these other temples are obviously Roman or um, later than the Greek stuff. Here's the Temple of Bacchus, um, 
And you can see the Corinthian work up top on those pillars, if you remember our last episode. And again, you can see those massive blocks at the bottom. So um, I think a lot of people want to argue, how did they move it? What were they using to move it? Um, so I think that that's the argument is, how did you move this massive, massive stone? Or what was the going to be the point of it, using that massive, massive stone? It's crazy. Maybe a little, little flower symbolism there. Okay, so this one is another controversial one. Uh, there's no dating on this one because I don't think it needs to be dated, and we're going to talk about that right now. So in the past, I'm trying to think, who did we discuss this with? We went deep, I think, with Dr. Gregory Little, actually. Yeah. Because uh, we were talking about him when he went to dive off the coast of uh, Bimini and look at like the Bimini Road and... Uh, some of the more unnatural site-looking sites in that area. I think that's even more. Uh, that looks more man-made than this to me. This, if you and I'll show you a couple pictures after this. A lot of people want to believe Yonaguni in Japan is was either a megalithic site or some sort of quarry or something like that. And I'll show you why I don't think that's the case in some of these next pictures. Uh, first of all. Who's who's stepping up these steps? If this is just a temple or something like those are massive, like the, the giants, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's not the case. So, um, I don't. That's that's number one, and it doesn't look like it even it makes logical sense of like from like a building standpoint. So that's number one. Uh, you know, you could say I've heard people say, well, maybe it's a quarry that was just around before the end of that last ice age. I guess. I'm not opposed to that idea. Maybe it was above sea level and it was worked a bit or people used chipped, you know, stone off and used it or whatever. But again, I don't think it actually served like a function from like a megalithic structure or temple standpoint or anything like that. So this is what I was going to get to. So this is an outer overhead view of that area of Yonaguni. And you can see, look at that big rock to the left. See how it's chipping in layers like that? Uh-huh. And you can see the different like sedimentary layers. Um, yeah. Look at how all the stones are formed, and look at that little chunk out there in the water. It looks similar to that. I mean, and and I think that I've seen a Japanese uh, seismologist talk about how that area mixed with that type of stone can create those sort of formations via seismic activity and pieces of it chipping off and everything like that. So. Again, I know people want to be like, oh, it was man-made and, you know, it's incredible and whatever. I don't, as much as I like to believe some of that, you know, some of these older dates and things are this or things are that, I think this is one where it's, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. And even some of the, I think both like, even like Graham Hancock and Robert Schock and even some of the more alternative people would agree that this is natural formation and not man-made. So, um, yeah, that's a good theory for sure. Again, look at the stone. You can see how it's breaking off and how it's uh, eroding. Yeah. Again, look at this. Look at these layers. Yep. You're telling me that looks human worked? It it really doesn't. <clears throat> and again, this one. Like, what kind of logical sense does that make from like a building standpoint? And again, I'm not trying to debunk anything. I just like to look at these things using logic and reason, and I want to find the true, the true mysteries out there. And I think there's things that can be deduced and taken out of that picture. So, yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so now we get to the Sumerian, Babylonian, and Assyrian boss reliefs. Here you have the Apkalu, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, a lot of people want to interpret these uh, these ancient Sumerian or Babylonian Assyrian deities as different things. Uh, there you have one of our old-time favorite topics, the ancient handbags, what were in the bags, you know, what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. This kind of stuff, what was in the bag, you know? Uh, I think we talked about that. Who were we talking about it with? I know I've talked a little bit about it with uh, 
maybe it was Chris Bennett, the cannabis historian, but we were talking about like how those could have been canvas or cannabis, you know, like hemp bags that were made from, you know, the tree of life, which we'll get to here in a second. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, people have different takes. I know, I think Graham Hancock talks about how he thinks entheogens or psychedelics were in them or possibly medicine. These were the, uh, doctors or medicine people of the ancient times. Uh huh. So the Apkalu, which is the gods that you see depicted here, there are seven demigods that are sometimes described as part man, part or part man, part fish, or part eagle. Uh, they are associated with wisdom and are also known as the sages. The Apkalu were something between a human and a god, and but post deluge, the sages were referred to as humans. So after the epic of Gilgamesh, they were then referred to as humans. Oannes in the Greek versions passes all the knowledge of the civilizations down to the people and taught the people the creation myth, the Enuma Elis. Uh, Oannes is Sumerian and Uana is Akkadian. Uh, Adapa was the name of one of the Apkalu or another word for wise. So all this has to do with his wisdom and knowledge. These, these beings were carrying knowledge. So were these... <sighs> Were these gods? Were they again? Where are these gods? No, but yeah. ser- but but for real, uh, were they were they humans or were they um, were they humans that just had special knowledge? Were they uh, or maybe they're just wise humans uh, and knew a lot about stuff? Were they um, just no. made up gods or were they you know? Because obviously, there's the fish god. Uh, or the connection between the fish and the eagles as well. Uh, so there's a lot going on there, a lot to unpack. But you know, again, you have holding the pine cone. Some might even say maybe a cola, a cannabis cola. I actually, you know, you'll you, when you see the tree of life, it looks like maybe they're picking the cola, you know, from the tree putting of life, bag. putting it in the bag. That's that's that's. I think that's my take on it. Actually, actually, it's not that crazy when you think about soma. We've had Chris Bennett on and talking about cannabis and how there's evidence for ritualistic cannabis use, especially within Zoroastrianism and these cultures in ancient times in this region specifically. So I don't think it's that crazy of an idea, to be honest with you. Um, here again, you have Oannes with the part fish or the, you know, part uh, human. Again, with the handbag. Okay, so here you have that tree of life. So above the tree of life, you have um, Ahura Mazda, which is the god of Zoroastrianism. And then you have that tree of life there in the middle. And then you have, you know, some people have the pine cones in their hands. Some people, I don't know what they're doing with the other ones. And they all have those like bracelets or like watch looking things on that have either, either like flowers or maybe they're sundials on a wrist. I mean, who knows what those are? I've thought a lot about that too. Uh, tried to speculate at least, uh, but yeah, I don't think. I mean, it's really hard to tell because some some of the images that are depicted, it's like wow, that's really good artistic uh, relief carving. But then you also see like things that don't look like human. Like look at those calves. That doesn't look like a human calf. That looks like a robot. Uh, you know, Hulk's calf or something, you know, so those are some good looking legs, baby. <laughs> yeah. Johnny drama would be all over that. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. So then, but then you look at that tree of life and I, I, th- I think why not cannabis or why not some sort of entheogen or something? Um, yeah, for sure. I could see that it has some of the traits. Yeah. Even hops share their, their yeah. the cousin of cannabis. So they're all intertwined. Could be. And look, these, uh, you know, the Red Bull gave these people wings, so maybe it was cannabis. Yeah. Caca. Uh, again, here's another one of the Apkalu. Uh, each Apkalu has a pine cone or a cannabis cola in their hand, and then they have the handbag. Um, Again, I would if it's, if it's a pine cone and it's a bag and then it's the tree of life, there's no tree of life that size that has pine cones. So that wouldn't make sense from that standpoint. Uh, are they doing something with the pine cone to like bless this 
whatever the tree of life is or something. I don't know. I've looked at these many times and I find it really hard to uh, have a good take that really makes sense on it. And I actually, yeah, I'm, wor- I'm working on a, uh, I'm working on a handbag Opkaloo t-shirt as well. So we'll have one of those designs in the, the, uh, what about a handbag soon. handbag? Yeah. Now we're getting in the Kramer territory here. It's just handbag within handbags within handbags. <laughs> uh, there's a close up of it. Um, I mean, if anybody has a different take, leave us a comment or a message. I mean, I think that it does, I could see it being a pine cone, but even a pine cone has more of those symmetrical, I don't even know what they are, like leaves or like out shoots, um, sprouts. They're a little bit more symmetrical um, than that. Now, the the reason why I say bud cola, because that kind of is what that looks like, especially yeah. if they weren't completely dialed in with the relief carvings back then. More Opkalu. You can just keep going through these images. They're all over the place, and um, they obviously met something important. Again, you have one Opkalu holding the handbag with the pine cone or the cola. Then you have the middle one holding a goat, and then... I don't know what those other things are in the other hand. It could be, um, I don't know, some sort of plant it looks like. I don't know what that could be. It's too, it's too, it's too like um, pointy to be like an opium uh, thing. Maybe it's some sort of other plant or grain or something like that. And then you have the, the guy at the end holding, it looks like a baby lion. Some people say, well, no, that's a giant holding, you know, a real lion. I don't buy that. It might be a baby lion that he's trying to, uh, to tame or something or, uh, domesticate. Yeah, possibly. Okay. Now we get to more connection stuff here. Okay. So on the left, you have the giants, uh, these, these statues that are called the giants of Monte Prama. And, uh, that's found on Sardinia, which is an island off the coast of Italy. In the middle, you have Urfa Man, found at Gobekli Tepe, which is dated to around 12,000 years ago, or like 96, 9700 BC. And then all the way to the right, you have Cyclidic, a Cyclidic uh, figurine. It goes back to ancient Greece, um, sometime around the Bronze Age. And all three have similarities. So you have... The, the Naragic cultures from around 2000 BC, Urfa man's 9600 BC, and the Cyclitics figurines got to be, again, somewhere between, you know, two, 3000 BC probably. Uh, so what does that all mean? Why are they so similar? Is that just how artists depicted humans back then? I mean, the Urfa man doesn't look too, too outdated, even though it's way older, right? The middle one? Yeah. So I like the cyclidic the best. Yeah, that one's the more art, the most artistic take, I think. Um, but yeah, interesting connections. Here's a close-up of a cyclidic uh, figurine head. Again, all you really have is the nose, and you have to imagine the rest. Kind of like yep. the hashtag Let Maurice Speak t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, you have the Naragic uh, figurines on the left and then the middle, the hunter, and then it looks like some sort of warrior in the middle. Uh, and then you have the Phoenician. And I show that because they're not like so similar, but they do have some similarities. And we know the Phoenicians got around a lot. Uh, and the Sardinians most likely got around. Anybody in the Mediterranean most likely had knowledge of uh, shipbuilding and ability to get around. So this one we got to send Maurice to. It's not that far. He keeps bringing it up. So maybe when it uh, comes time, we can send Maurice. Yeah, I to peeped s- out the, the 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 path, and I gotta go. Mount. You should see if you can get some sort of license to run a drone too, and get some drone. I don't shots. need a license, bro. I'll just buy it. <laughs> uh oh, we got a real we rebel. Shoot it down. We got a real rebel on our hands. Yeah. Um, 
so this is roughly okay so this one was interesting i was reading this so this one's roughly dated from 800 bc to 100 a.d which is a long gap to not have any real answers of when it was created so there's argument whether it was the adena culture or the fort ancient culture now we've had dr gregory little on who's written the books on mound cultures and mound builders uh and he we we he did uh we did an amazing episode with him the last time he was on where he went through all the ancient mounds the main mounds in america so if you're interested go check that uh that out we did a patreon with them too after where he went more in depth on some of the stuff but uh yeah we did a great great episode with dr gregory on the ancient mound builders and all the different sites and everything because he's been to a lot of them and has pictures and everything so uh machu picchu i know maurice was actually you were really considering going there weren't you yeah i still would like to go there Send you there, and then we'll send you to the uh, Amazon after for an ayahuasca ceremony. We'll capture right. the whole thing. Um, so Machu Picchu is dated from 1420 to 1530 AD, which it seems like a lot older than I think most people would imagine Machu Picchu, even though there's been some recent articles saying that it's older. And then you have the argument that some of the structures up there do look like they're older than... Uh, like there was some sort of previous civilization there or maybe some more ancient sites there under that was built upon or something like that. Uh, but yeah, the 1420 to 1530 AD is really not that old in comparison to a lot of the other stuff. I know it's tough, though. Imagine getting all those stones up there. I know people that have almost fallen that have gone there, that the steps that, you know, the path that you take is very treacherous. So Yeah. Uh, the Pyramid of the Sun at Teotihuacan. Um, this is roughly dated to around 200 AD. Uh, that recent episode we did with on archaeology, the uh, science news, archaeological news, where we discussed they found those flower bouquets that were part of rituals. Uh, and then there's that secret tunnel underneath the pyramid that they found that leads to this area where they have like mercury, like a mercury lake with like fool's gold on the walls and like looks like shimmering stars it's supposed to be like some sort of uh miniature version of like uh earth you know down there Uh some sort of like you know maybe it was part of some sort of ritual or they're trying to recreate the you know the world above you know almost like as above so below type of a thing uh so it's kind of interesting interesting this one's pretty cool. Uh, the the Church of St. George in Lalabella, Ethiopia. This is dated from around 12th to 13th centuries AD. Uh, this this is that that church is one stone. That's one cut. That's it's an it's monolithic, meaning that they cut everything away, and that's just one piece. They didn't bring blocks down there and put it all together. It was literally cut down from the surface, as you can see how it's cut down around it. So there's some. There's some temples in India that have the same thing, and I always find that stuff so fascinating because it's so, that's got to be so hard to do. But it's beautiful to say the least. And there's a bunch of churches in that area of Lalabella there, like a whole complex of uh, stuff, so. And here you have the pyramids of uh, Maru, or Marie, Maruv, Marie, something like that. I don't know, Maroe. Yeah, Maroe, maybe. Uh, and this is dated from between 3000 BC to 3000 AD. This, what's being shown here, is the Norse Cemetery. Uh, again, these were associated with, uh, you know, the Kushite Empire, and these were funerary uh, pyramids. And uh, there's a bunch of them. There's some that are partially built and some that don't have, you know, the come to an apex or anything like that so it's an interesting site to say the least but again we haven't gone too deep on it but uh yeah i don't know we have one more slideshow left in this series and then we're going to get to some of the other more you know i I forget what we have left some we're going to talk about some crazy stuff going forward and i wanted to get a lot of this stuff out uh before we get to some of the uh the crazy stuff. Right. Uh, but to this point, I think part one, um, 
we talked about like ancient civilizations and ancient mysteries. We've got to some consciousness stuff and some of the other parts. Uh, we did talk about metaphysics and the nature of reality and stuff. And I think part three, uh, part four started this megalithic site stuff that we've talked about in the past. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think what else, uh, we have yet to get to, we did talk about gods, gods, God, gods, and creators and that kind of stuff too. I think we still have to yet to get to more like the near death experience stuff, psychedelics, philosophy, space time, extraterrestrial UFO stuff, and then the paranormal stuff. So we have some fun topics left in this series. And again, this is to look at how we thought about these things, um, going in and how we think about them now. Um, some people might say that I've kind of gotten more, uh, less mystical, less mystical of a mic on it. Um, oh, yeah. but I've just looked more into this stuff. And I think when you look more into this stuff, some things just make sense, right? Like you can, you can't, you can bury your head in the sand and just pretend like evidence of stuff isn't out there, or you can really learn stuff and figure out what the true mysteries or what the true fringe things are. And that's all I'm doing. And I think that, uh, yeah, again, I put the the dating there. Like some of those have wide gaps because I am open to alternative or older dates, but you have to show me more proof than what's out there because again, I don't some of the alternative stuff while it's interesting, like there's some people that really think that Yonaguni was like a temple. Like no, it it wasn't. Did you see anything in there that resembled any sort of coherent building structure? I mean, nah. Yeah, so so it's stuff like that. So I just want to like, again, going in, we might've like entertained that more, but at this point it's like, again, we look at the origins of things. I cross-reference things. I'm looking at the alternative stuff, the middle stuff, the fringe stuff, the, and then the academic stuff. What are the, the scientists, the archeologists, what is everybody saying? So you got to look at kind of the whole spectrum of things and then deduct what things could be real. What are possibilities? What are not possibilities? I mean, you know, there, we're going to get to the ancient Egypt one. There is physical evidence that points to water erosion around the Sphinx. So, I mean, you could debate that all day long, but there's that. You know, there are things, uh, true anomalies out there. Um, you know, I, I discuss all this stuff with uh, ancient history criticisms. This, um, this guy on uh, Twitter who runs that that channel and he's you know, these ancient nubs. There's these nubs found at all these ancient sites throughout the ancient world. And, you know, scholars would say, oh, this is just, uh, you know, the way that they lifted the blocks or whatever. But I think there's probably more to it. And the fact that they're found at all the sites kind of puts the idea that there was no communication between any of these ancient cultures, yet they all used a similar building technique. Like, that, that's some things just don't add up. So I do think there are true mysteries out there. But I also think that there's a lot of like BS too. So I think that right now we're just trying to be as honest as we can, entertain everything, have a good time. But at the same time, you know, we're not here to just believe stuff just to believe. So right, right. We've got well, work to do, my man. We've got, we work, got work to, work to do. do, baby. Um. So yeah. So I don't know. What did you think? What do you? What's your take so far? I mean, those are the of today's episode. Yeah, just like everything we've been talking about, like how we. I know you weren't as big into like the building of megalithic sites and like how they built things exactly and things like that early on. But I mean, how do you think? No, about I mean, it? I might, I might not be incredibly into how they built it, but I can definitely appreciate a nice piece of art and ponder about what they were there for and what they were used to yeah. enhance or whatever. Maybe I like, I like a lot of the theories about the, the pyramids and stuff. I, I like some of the stranger ones, but it's always a fun quest to try and discover the mysteries and try and understand how they were built and what they were used for and things of that nature. And so since we've been doing this, do you feel like you've learned like a lot more? And maybe again, I think people associate taking like mysteries away as like taking something away from it. But I don't look at it as like that. I look at it as getting to the, what the true mystery of it is, as opposed to just having that whole spectrum of like, nonsense mixed in there with it you know it just convolutes the you know the topic or muddies the waters or whatever yeah well there's still a lot of mysteries that surround a lot of them but yeah exactly that's what i'm saying but but why people get get wacky with stuff for no reason is what i'm saying like there's no reason to jump to the most unreasonable conclusion when there's 
some other credible stuff that makes more sense than that. You just don't want to admit that that could be the case. You know, like I think that with all, with all the fringe and alternative stuff, you have to be honest with yourself. If you want to entertain that stuff and read it or watch it or whatever, have at it. But are you being honest with yourself? Like, do you think that, you know, the mainstream or whatever could have something right, or it has something right. Like you, you know, and, and that's going to be the case sometimes or most of the time. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. And again, I, you can look at all the dating that I just went through. A lot of those dates are very rough dating. There's, they don't have an exact idea. And I think that in itself is part of the mystery of a lot of this stuff too. So absolutely just be honest with yourself and cross reference things and, and stop with the crazy outlandish stuff that doesn't need to be there. And I think that you can get onto a path to, to, to greatness. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Wow. There it is. Ladies I'm, and I'm gentlemen. Joking, I'm joking. And I look, I don't amazing speak. I don't have any like special knowledge or anything like that, but I will admit that I've spent a lot of time researching this stuff. And, uh, again, if you start looking at the origins of things and how things come about, whether it's philosophy, science, metaphysics, whatever, if you try and look at the origins of things, you're going to start to build a pattern and and like a habitual way of looking at things. And then that becomes just like a normal way of life for you. So you can kind of like most people don't even take five, 10 minutes to look things up yet. They have a podcast. Like how many podcasts have I seen where somebody has done like a hundred episodes and they haven't even looked up stuff that takes like 10 minutes. It's really crazy that, you know, but again, I'm not here to talk shit or anything. I'm just saying like, if you don't say you're after truth unless you're really after, you know, some sort of a, a objective truth, if that exists. And we don't even know if it does. But if it did, that's how you have to go about it. So, yeah. Anything else before we wrap it up here? That's a, that's a good way to go out, my friend. At the end of the last episode, we got into a real hot debate, Maurice and I, between what well, we were talking about, like the God, where are the gods? Where are these uh-huh. gods? And then Maurice's favorite, which was uh, Xerxes, Earthquakes, and Fire. <laughs> That's like I said, to keep the shirts how, coming, baby. How everything in Greece got uh, destroyed, 480 BC. Xerxes, Fires, and Earthquakes. Um, yep. Maybe I'll make that a shirt, too. I don't know. <laughs> We're just going to have a million shirts. We've only sold one of everything, but... It'll it'll be there just in case. A million, baby. Yeah. Well, uh, again, this is the last live one we're doing for a while. We have a bunch of pre-recorded episodes with guests, which I think everybody will enjoy over the next, uh, you know, month and a half. Again, I have a baby that's going to be here next week. So I'm going to have a lot of, I'm not going to have a lot of free time at all. So again, I'm glad we got to pre-record a bunch of episodes. You'll see about one a week here. Uh, through that process and then hopefully sometime in the next couple of months we'll get back to doing some live shows but uh, we appreciate everybody's support so far and everybody's been super awesome shout out to sandy uh top escapee shout out to cole shout out to and thanks for four and a half fingers for joining ryan thanks for joining uh you know just everybody that's supported the show and been there martin and uh, Sean and just all these wonderful people, all the people on Discord, all the people that have joined our Twitter spaces, uh, supported us through buying merch. Thank you, everybody. We love everybody. All of our Patreon members, we love you so much, and uh, we really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, before we get out of here, if anybody is interested, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Tons of great stuff on there. I'm not going to keep trying to sell it, but just a bunch of amazing episodes and segments on there. And we are also on Discord, so you can go check that out. Uh, and uh, indrasweb.org is live. This is a social media platform we created to connect to open minds. Uh, if you want to speculate, hypothesize, theorize, perfect place to do it. So head on over there, set up a profile. Still working on trying to get in the App Store. I will let everybody know when that happens. And if you are interested in winning this Mind Escape t-shirt, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcast, leave us a five-star review, take a screenshot of it, and then email it to mindescapepodcast at gmail.com, and that'll enter you to win. We have a few submissions, so there's a chance you might win. 
And again, I want to plug, keep plugging the merch store because I'm proud of some of the designs I've created in there. So that I just created Beautiful one with, work. With, with Anubis. And at the top, it says, we are living, breathing magic. There's the Portara of Naxos one that I made. The hashtag let more speak. Um, hashtag mystical Mike one I just added. Uh, there is a sale going on there as well. So if you're interested, go get that stuff while it's 30% off. We love everybody. Stay safe out there. And... Uh, We'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.